This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio program on Community Radio 3CR. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the last hour of current affairs. My name's Chris and Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio were a little show about riding, bikes, cycling and related transport issues coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Long time no listen to. We've uh, had a pretty big... uh, if not substantial break in the show, and then we're going to disappear to the new year. I hope to have some um, fill-in stuff over the new year. We'll kind of uh, put in some really good interviews from the year uh, up until probably mid-January, but we'll let you know on social media what we're putting up. Today in the studio, special guest, Corey. How you doing, Chris? Okay, you've uh, been a very busy man of late. Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, apart from riding my bike around and, you know, just taking in Melbourne. Uh, we've um, started a new shop. Well, it's a, sort of like a part of an existing shop at uh, Brompton Junction, Melbourne. Uh, the 13th Brompton flagship store on the planet. Uh, the first in the Southern Hemisphere. So, yes, and uh, that's been pretty busy. And then uh, yesterday we were down at the Shimano Supercrit uh, with St Kilda Cycling Club uh, and we had what we called the hashtag Brompton Hot Lap. Uh, and that was very well received. Um, Matty Keenan riding my bike. Um, the Matt Keenan commentator? The, the at MJ Keenan. Uh, he probably should have practiced the unfold a few more times, but um, yeah, so all you good. had a Le Mans man start, did you? Yeah, yeah. So um, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Bromptons are a folding bike and a very good one. Um, and there's quite a few cities around the planet where there's a Brompton World Championships. Uh, the idea is that men are in the shirt, tie. Um, and jacket and women too. Women as appropriate. So some yep. some uh, frock up in different ways. Uh, some in suits. Um, and uh, it is a Le Mans start. So the bike is folded. Uh, you run to the bike, unfold, and then it's a crit essentially. Mm. So we were given the opportunity to do a single lap uh, with the idea that next year it's going to be just a tad bigger. So. Uh kind of the intro event and build the capacity for Brompton Takes Over Melbourne. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah that's what we're hoping. You're well known for being a Brompton enthusiast. So, and you're, I hate the word convert, but you really are kind of like helping people understand a different type of bicycle, which is the small-wheeled folding bike, which is brilliant for urban conditions. It. It's sometimes it's useful to not think of it as a bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a way of getting around. And like I love walking. And one of the great things about walking is you can use it with any other transport option. 
Um, and this is almost as convenient. Sure, it, you know, you need to carry it, but um, yeah. it folds down. So if you want to be multimodal, but also one-way trips and things like that, and it can be train, tram, bus, yep. uh, your car, friend's car, Uber, taxi, whatever. It doesn't really matter. And there was some interesting news that you were mentioning earlier that uh, people might be need to know about. Uh, with respect to the e-bikes. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, received an email from um, Bicycle um, Industry Australia. Uh, there was a coroner's report about a, uh, a death of an 86-year-old pedestrian um, when um, one of these delivery e-bikes was uh, riding on a footpath. And uh, the foot, the the bike itself was rated for two hundred watt, um, and that allows a, a hand throttle uh, with respect to the legislation uh, within Victoria, but also straight white. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they actually tested this one, and it was around uh, five hundred watts, I think. So, the you, if you've been through the CBD, you know around um, dusk or thereabouts, you will see many, many of these uh, imported um, delivery bikes. They're often a little bit longer wheelbase with a, a bit of a um, delivery platform on the rear. Um, and uh, they're buzzing around at all rates of speed. So I, I, I say, you know, I'm, I'm all for e-bikes for delivery and getting around. I reckon it's a great idea, but certainly uh, the legal ones. Yeah, because there's a whole bunch of stuff to do with pedlicks. And Australia's a bit odd when it comes to the legislation. So this is, yeah, this is kind of like, you think it's evening it up? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I might just go to a swing to a bit, a little bit of news and events. And uh, I have to make the appropriate sound effect for that. And here it is. Sort of. Anyway, uh, if you've been following the uh, saga of the uh, Maurice Kirby Velodrome down in Noble Park uh, last Monday, uh, there was at uh, Greater Dandelion Council, there was a rescission motion that was defeated. And then after that, you know, to you know, kind of put the Parkfield Reserve Master Plan on hold until, like, you know, the uh, new cycling club down there, you know, could get its act together, which, you know, within a month, I think um, it's funny watching these things and other people set the parameters and set you up for failure. Um, anyway, after that, they uh, voted to proceed with the master plan forthwith. Um, I think late last week, 10 new geotech bores appeared in the asphalt down there at the velodrome. So it looks like their uh, city of Greater Dandelong have... Um, you know, put line in the sand, and there's as many people have commented upon this issue. There is no haste, and after Thursday's news about Team Eleven, again there is no haste. It just seems to be of um, locals and and um, people interested in cycling infrastructure found out about uh, news to demolish this velodrome back in about oh June July. Um, put in their feedback to the council. It was. Um, what other public feedback um, was put into council has not been made public. But if you look at the future of parks thing online at City of Greater Long, Data, Greater Data Long's uh, website, it's made quite apparent that uh, people want to retain it. So it's very, very interesting. Uh, Corey, do you remember back in the early to mid-80s, there was a, uh, 
uh, documentary, and it's an Australian classic called Rats in the Ranks. Oh, yes, I do. About council politics. Well, yeah. I'll just drop that in the middle of the conversation and then scurry on to another topic. Um, okay, so at the moment we're looking like um, destruction is imminent. So I put a call out to uh, Melbourne Cycling Community in all your diverse forms. Get yourself down the new engineering trail. That's with the sky rail there. Cycle up the hill to Dunblane Road to uh, Maurice Kirby Villadrome. Get out there, ride it. You've probably got um, probably one to two months considering all the uh, interesting news that's coming out of the council. Now, the council sent us back a bit of information that I've read saying, oh, we will build you an alternative facility. Yeah, okay. How many times have we heard that one is uh, trying to placate um, an, an angry other party? You can always always ignore that stuff if there's no scoping plan or master plan behind it. But anyway, Melbourne Cycling Community, get down there and um, ride the proverbial out of it, Strava it, take photos, hashtag it. The reason why I got involved with this is because it's so hard to get cycling infrastructure built. It's insane when you hear about stuff being taken out. Sure, it was in bad condition, but it was initially built back in the 1950s for kids. And later, um, you know, cycling clubs used it and a lot, a whole bunch of people use it for walking and cycling and a whole bunch of things and uh, had the signage taken out about 15 years ago and has been left to languish. So it's a very interesting thing which has been going on down there. So a whole bunch of people got involved in the last four to five months who realised there was a longer game plan going on and tried to do something about it. And I say, despite the fact... Looks like uh, City of Greater Danlong are going to get their way and put two new soccer pitches in. Good on you, every single one of you, for getting out there. And uh, I think I'll use uh, Paul Mee's expression, who's a uh, well, public transport advocate, always speak truth to power. Mm. And that, that's the key thing. It's like one of the great things about cycling is you can you know cycle almost anywhere. But this is a specific uh, purpose-built area. Uh, for kids is really, the you know I think, one of the key things in that um, – you know, one of the one of the questions that was put out there by one of the councillors is where would you prefer to ride in a park or round and round in circles? It's a very different aspect, and so you could say the same thing for ball sports. Is you know any sort of open area, you can uh, have a lot of fun with ball sports. I'm not anti ball sports, no, but I'm certainly uh, pro trying to get uh, more kids cycling in any way. Whether that's transport, whether that's sport, I don't mind. I think it's a it's a really good option for a lot of kids. And I mean, if you are going into the sports thing and looking at um, what was happening down the Super Creek yesterday, oh, yeah. there's there's so many people out there that may not be aware they have a talent because they they never have access to such facilities. And uh, velodrome cycling is very different to road cycling because it's incredibly disciplined, and you actually get all these condensed skill sets happen. Um, when you ride on a velodrome and I just don't want to go on about too much because we've got a fair bit in the show but some of the uh, debate around this has been incredibly simplistic and um, I don't wish to sound condescending but coming from someone who's been involved with cycling for a very long time I think some people out there really need to pull their heads in in terms of some of the silly things they've been saying you just mentioned upon a particular city of Greater Dandelion Council who put a poll up and by God, didn't that person get schooled in the comments of like the the the, the people out there, even if they don't ride bikes, have, have a very sophisticated, nuanced understanding of riding for transport versus sport cycling. And um, 
It was, yeah, it was, it was meant as, I think, as a bit of a spoiler for something else. But, uh, and what happened last week at the uh, Greater Downlong Council meeting? That got ignored, even despite the fact that it was 55, uh, 55-45 in the voting. I mean, you know, non-scientific. It was rather facetious. But uh, it's amazing. We live in an age where you can present facts and nuanced things and people go, nah, I don't want to listen to you. <sighs> so, in closing... What you can do, get down there to Noble Park, right up the hill to Dumblone Road, ride the hell out of it. Also, there's a new cycling club um, for the area because Greater Dandelong is greatly unrepresented in cycling. Um, it's the Noble Park Dandelong Cycling Club. There was previously a club um, that, you know, there's two clubs that go back, the history goes back to, oh, 100 years. So the website is Noble Park Dandelong, that's all one word. .cc. Get on there, join the uh, membership list, um, keep keep in touch, and uh, onwards and upwards for cycling in the southeast. From from um, you know, I, I, I see the club being a bit of a phoenix out of the things for this for the saga of the velodrome. And again, as I said, thank you for everyone who's helped out with this. We've done two stories on the show this year, and um, give yourself a pat on the back. You really did stick it to them. Anyway. I'm going to take a break and we'll be back with Corey talking about Brompton Junction. In the summer I went swimming in the summer. Yay for summer! Summer brings swimming, summer brings picnics in the park, and summer brings the 3CR Summer Wine Fundraiser. Thanks to the support of Small Patch Wine Store in Hawthorne, we're selling 3CR Radical Radio labelled wines for only $15 a bottle. And they're even cheaper by the dozen or half dozen. Perfect as a gift or to fill a raised glass to toast 3CR at those summer festivities. Call the station between 9 to 5 on 9419 8377 to order or go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Then you can drop into our Fitzroy studios to collect before the 21st of December. Summer, I went swimming in the summer. Small Patch Wine Store is a 3CR supporter. You're back listening to Yarra User Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR 855am digital live streaming podcast, iTunes. Tune in and a whole bunch of ways you can listen to us. Corey, we've discussed the hot lap. Yeah, briefly. Yeah, briefly. Do you, do, you, do you wish to go on at length about what it was like down there yesterday and then we move into Brompton Junction? I, I, I think it was um, it was quite interesting, the, the level of excitement, and partially that was because everyone's looking at the radar map on their, on their phones. <laughs> there was this ominous greyish-black thing sort of coming in from all angles, it seemed, um, and everyone had seen that, you know, there was predictions for basically right at the time. Yeah. Uh, and we were we were positioned between the uh, women's and the men's elite. Um, so it could have affected those races as well. Thankfully, it all held off. There were the well, odd sort of spatterings. Got, women's lap got called off early and so did the elite men's later. But um, what's it like kind of uh, watching people trying to race on a Brompton around <laughs> such, such a tight crit circuit? <laughs> 
Um, the the Bromptons are very agile, so uh, they're actually well suited to a, a tight circuit. Given also that we ha- only had the one lap, mm. um, their acceleration with the with the smaller wheels uh, helped as well. Um, it's a little bit different when you're doing a full crit of you know seven, eight, nine laps or whatever is what yeah. what we would uh, hope we would be doing. Um, but yeah, generally they they go pretty well. Um, they we had a few gun riders on board, um, and so. I think uh, some of the regular road crew were quite impressed with how quickly they went. Um, and, of course, uh, there's, there's quite a proportion of people out there who, who already understand um, how quickly they can go. So it's, uh, But it was, it was a lot of fun, uh, really supportive environment. Um, I've done a few um, crits many years ago uh, with uh, St Kilda Cycling Club and um yeah it's it's a very enjoyable um way to be once you once you find the way to get there uh because if you are traveling by bicycle it's it's all really well connected except for that you know last 800 meters or so so um but going through um the motions of getting across there and then you're fine and it's um yeah it's it's really well put together so to see it dialed up to 11 um (laughs) for the super crit uh which um uh, yeah, it was streamed live to the web. Um, yep. It's quite impressive. The thing that kind of impressed me about the hot lap is you've got this uh, junction. <laughs> Oops. Oh, look at that segue. Aye. Oh, am I good? Am I, am I sharp? No. Um, between Brompton, which is a cycling for transport sort of thing, you know, it's like, you know, you, um, and road cycling, which completely hell and gone from most of the mode, you know, what we discuss on this show. I mean, you know, we always end up doing a fair bit of stuff on Tour de France and, you know, some of the big classics and that. But our, our focus is predominantly, you know, riding around from A to B in your city and how to go about it and things you've seen and, you know. Yeah, I just I just find it really interesting that you, you can take Bromptons up to that level and you said there's that shared interest. I, I think the main thing is that it's inherently a very good design that performs well um if it if it didn't ride well Mm. uh you wouldn't have that crossover and and certainly uh you can't say the same for all folding bikes if you have at some stage ridden a folding bike um and you haven't ridden a brompton i mean bromptons aren't the only ones that handle very well but yeah most of the folding bikes out there um don't perform terribly well and that's reason why brompton exists in the first place a guy named andrew ritchie in 1975 um wanted a bike it could take everywhere so it wouldn't get stolen. And so he he rode um, a few of the folding bikes of the time, and I won't quote him directly, but words to the effect of somebody's got to be able to do better than that. Um, yeah. So he, he came up with the design and he never wanted to actually build it. He went around to try and flog it to some of the, uh, the uh, bike companies that were building in, in Britain at the time. Um, and there's a... A rejection letter from Rally Cycles proudly displayed in the factory in the UK. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, fa- fast forward a few years and a uh, friend, friend uh, went to him and said, oh, now I want to get one of those bikes that you were doing. And he's like, oh, it's, it's never really got anywhere. Um, and so this guy uh, was behind Name Audio mm. uh, with a bit of cash. And so um, came in and said, yep. I want you to build them. So they did uh, a run of 400, mm-hmm. uh, of which we have one in the in the Brompton Junction, Melbourne, in Nicholson Street and Carlton North. Um, and uh, it went from there. So, um, but as I was saying, it's it 
it's a good design. They've got a longer wheelbase than most folding bikes. Mm. Um, with with that wheelbase slightly biased towards the rear, so it, the it rides bigger than it is is probably the easiest yeah, way get, to describe the ride. I've always been very fond of things that got a long wheelbase. It gives you more stability if you're carrying stuff. You're riding around the city and you've got something on the back. Yeah. So a little bit about Brompton Junction. Yeah. So um, we um, we being the uh, company that I work for, which is VeloCycles, uh, we five and a bit years ago started up Velo Electric and Folding, which is a second store. Um, it's only 200 metres between the two. Uh, and from the get-go, um, the Bromptons were, were rolling out the door and that just increased and increased and increased. So a little over a year ago, uh, we became Australia's uh, only premier Brompton store, which is you know, a level that, that Brompton UK put on stores. Um, we were the highest selling store in Australia and uh, just continued going further. So we thought, well, what's the next step? Yep. And it's these uh, Brompton Junctions. So the Brompton Junction is their flagship stores. Uh, presently, uh, there's you know um, Valencia and New York City and Amsterdam and Madrid and London, of course, um, and now Melbourne. And so uh, they're certainly uh, destinations for Bromptonauts or Bromptoneers, as they tend to be termed. Uh, to to come along and have a look and get things that you may not be able to get elsewhere. Yeah, because it turns into a bit of a huge social community, the whole Brompton thing. Um, what, what sort of thing could you say what people love about their Bromptons? I think it's the versatility mm. and I think it's the ride. I think that's the two things. I'm I'm quite classic with, uh, with a Brompton rider in that if you'd have told me six years ago I'd be riding one of these things every day, I wouldn't have believed you. Mm. I would have thought logistically when it makes sense to have a folding bike on the day, yes, but I wouldn't have really ridden it by choice because I'd ridden other folding bikes and it's like, yeah, you don't, you don't, you know, that's not your bike of choice to go cross that's town really on. That's really interesting. So um, how can, you know, the pitch, how can people <laughs> uh, get in touch with you or um, a bit about your, you know, what you're doing up there in Carlton North? So um, we are on uh, Facebook um, Brompton Junction, Melbourne, and Insta. Uh, our uh, website is going to be launched very soon. We just got a landing page at the moment, and that's bromptonbikes.com.au. Otherwise, we're at 755 Nicholson Street, Carlton North, just 200 metres south uh, of Park Street, uh, Capital City Trail, where VeloCycles is. Come and see us. We're open seven days and come and have a test ride. Excellent. Okay, so. I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to be back with some interviews from the Hunt 1000 after party and then we'll come back to Corey and sum up the show. 3CR is a community radio licence holder. What you hear on community radio is governed by the community radio codes of practice. The codes of practice cover matters relating to program content, including local content, news, current affairs, Australian music, programs for children and the responsibilities associated with broadcasting by and for the community. They also cover aspects such as community access and participation in the operation of this station. Copies of the code are available from the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash who we are.
Okay, my name is Katie Rass, and I ride bikes, and I just finished the Hunt 1000. <laughs> yeah. So, the Hunt 1000, riding through the hot country of Victoria and New South Wales ACT. Yes, sir. So, how do you feel now, having arrived at the finish? Uh, pretty satisfied, pretty stoked that I was able to finish, for sure. And finishing, you physically and kit-wise, how did everything work out? Everything worked out really well. I actually broke my derailleur hanger on the second day, but luckily I wasn't too far away, so I hiked back about 45 minutes to the ski resort and was calling people, and I was crying on the way back because I was so bummed. And so I was like, oh, anybody have a derailleur hanger for Kona? And it's like, nothing. So luckily the, uh, the photo guys showed up, and Rob um, let me borrow his really nice bike. He was like, I have a bike that you can use. And I was like, oh man, I don't know, I might destroy it. Like, it looks like a really nice bike. Like, I'm really hard on stuff, you know? Like, but he's like, no, no, like, it's okay. And so then I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll be by myself. I don't want to be by myself. I've never done this before. But um, there was a group of guys that just rolled up and they were like, oh, let's have lunch. So I was like, sweet. So we transferred all of my bike stuff over onto his bike. Um, and then carried on <laughs> and luckily his bike's way nicer than mine so it made it a lot easier <laughs> right. and physically how do you uh, how do you feel now i feel amazing i don't like wake up and keep going <laughs> okay so you're ready to ride back to canberra probably <laughs> yeah okay. yeah so um so you didn't suffer any of the sort of aches and pains and things that and a few others do? Uh, not really, honestly. Like, I think, like, I'm, I'm a mountain biker, and I, like, I swim, and I do weights, and I used to race, and I, like, ride a lot. Um, I think the only thing that really got sore the back of my heels from hiking a lot for my shoes, but other than that, I think, like, pretty good. Like, right. I was actually pretty surprised. I was like, oh, something's going to start hurting. Um, you know, I mean, you eventually run out of gas a little bit, so but you just keep going somehow, <laughs> so, yeah. And overall, how was the experience? Oh, it was amazing. I think it's probably one of the most epic bike things I've ever done in my life, and I've done a lot of, like, racing and riding with friends, but I think this by far is the most rewarding, probably the hardest, but also the most rewarding just with the views and, you know, the friends that you make, you know, everybody hanging out in the huts together and cooking food and just being out in the wilderness, it's pretty priceless. It's great. And what would you say to anyone who might be thinking of doing it mate, next year? <laughs> um, bring a derailleur hanger in case it breaks. Bye. Um, definitely, you know, make sure that you have safety gear. Make sure that you check the weather for sure. Make sure that everything on your bike is almost brand new because you will probably be destroyed at the end. Uh, make sure you're definitely physically fit, for sure. Uh, make sure that you do an array of things to get fit for it because just riding a road bike isn't going to really get you there. Um, and also just make sure that you are mentally in the game because if you're not and you're out in the wilderness, you can definitely crack and you're just out there by yourself potentially and it could be a really bad thing. So. I think that would, you know, and just be enthusiastic. Don't have expectations because if you do, it's just, it might destroy it for you. But definitely come in with a good attitude and have a good time. Okay. Thanks very much. Yay, no problem.
here at Commuter Cycles and there's a large gathering of people and I'm speaking to Pepper. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, just recovering slowly with a couple of beers. And you've been on a bit of a ride. Yep, that's true. I didn't make it quite as far as I hoped through the official route, but I got stuck in some surprise snow and some sandals. A little bit exciting, but made it through. Definitely happy to see the other riders made it through safe. And so starting the Hunt 1000, how many days early from the Grand Depart? Yeah, so I started with, I budgeted about 12 days as an emergency, but was hoping to finish in 10. So I started about four days early and ended up using pretty much all of those days hiking out through the snow up by Kosciuszko. Yeah, so the weather wasn't very kind to you in the first uh, couple of days? No, well the first two days were really sunny and pretty and then the third day kind of bucketed ice cold rain but it was fine and I got in my tent that night and I woke up to snow but the trails were still pretty clear so I pushed on and then it quickly turned into a Colorado style blizzard like nothing I've seen since I left the States in the summer in Australia while I had only sandals. So um, I'm just going to have a look. Um, I can see there's all of your toes are still there. Yeah, they're defrosting slowly, but I hiked out of the, the mountains there with an ER doctor named Chris who assured me the feeling would return in about one to two months. So um, apart from that side of things, how did everything else go? Yeah, everything else went pretty much um, as you'd expect on the hunt. So made a couple of potentially lifelong new friendships um, on the trail there. Chris and Dalton, I ended up um, riding an alternate route the whole way back to Melbourne with those guys. And the rest was just granola bars, sunshine, a couple of caravan parks and a few rail trails and just a bunch of river crossings. And then, yeah, it's just yeah, it just went by in a flash. I can't believe it's over. All right, so ready for next year? Oh, man, it's so luck-dependent, it seems, that the weather every year. There's just no telling what could happen. But it could be a good excuse to take a little bit of time off again next next year and have another crack at it. But probably I might consider bringing some actual shoes next time, potentially. Yeah, so you've done most of your bike packing in sandals. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I've never been in, I've been in a little bit of snow here and there and, and definitely rain and stuff. But yeah, usually I broke my foot really bad a few years ago and now I find buckle shoes or anything with Velcro or anything that closes over the top. It kind of gives me a little bit of tendonitis and my foot blows up. So I usually survive okay in sandals, but this was an exception and there's just no telling what, what can happen when the mountains change so fast. So we've seen... Yeah, anyone who follows uh, your social media feed would have seen a lot of your bike packing adventures and bike trips. So how does this scale against putting a lot of those back to back? Yeah, I actually, every trip I take, I kind of, I do scale trips against other trips and think what was the hardest kind of bar measurement that I can take for all my next future rides. And I definitely, I had a good hard think about it on this trip, and I can categorically say that this was the hardest time I've ever had on a bike. Out of every trip I've taken solo around the world, this was, I've just never experienced going 11 kilometers in one day through knee-deep snow with a fully loaded bike and just river crossing after river crossing. And definitely, yeah, it was 
it was really, it's going to be the new bar that I set all my other rides to measure up. That's great. And for anybody that's, you know, prospective riders, what, what would you say to them? I think it's just be prepared for things to not go to plan and have some bailout options because you can be as prepared as you think anyone can be and and still just things change and the mountains are a fickle mistress so you just don't know what's going to happen up there it gets so wild so fast and and it was clear a couple days later you know all the snow melted and people rode through the mud and it was fine so i guess i would say don't make any definite plans because those will all change the guys i rode with they had lots of bookings they'd made and packages they sent ahead and all that ended up getting scrapped so I'd say fly by the seat of your pants and take a lot of water treatment tablets and filters. <laughs> right. Was that water much of an issue? Um, it wasn't much of an issue. There was heaps of water everywhere. But there was reports of some dead horses in the Snowy River and a few other things like that. And that's one of the most preventable reasons that people pull out of endurance rides like that is just not bringing hand sanitizer, not bringing water treatment stuff, and, and getting sick and pulling out. So... Okay, thanks very much. Great, thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of the party. Couldn't help myself but chuck in a bit of... Um Jane's addiction. Thank you, Steve, for doing that interview a couple of weeks ago at the Hunt 1000 after party. That's all we've got time for today on Yarrabowski User Group Radio. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Chris. All the best with um, Brompton Junction. Yeah, it'll, it'll go well, I think. Uh, I think this is our last show for the year, but um, you'll hear from us if it isn't. And um, join up uh, the Noble Park Cycling Club, uh, Noble Park Danlong Cycling Club. It's a uh, Again, it's a phoenix and it uh, really is needed for the southeast uh, um, part of Melbourne. Uh, podcast should be up later today. Uh, all us announcers, we're volunteers and 3CR relies upon the subscription and donations of our listeners. So go to 3cr.org.au and donate. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.